how true those statements are technically, psychologically, physiologically. But I've got an idea that they are at least mostly true. I'd thought about some of those ideas over the years, but it was in 2015 for me that I really started exploring, digging really deeply into this, seeking to learn. I had to, I had no choice. You are what you think. And since then, for me, it's been this continual journey of insight and learning and discovery, understanding. And I try now, I want to be able to think about what I'm thinking about. Do you think about what you're thinking about? Every day, I put significant time and energy into working with my thoughts and my mind and my brain. And for me, and I'm not seeking to impose it on you this morning, my mind and my thoughts, they're central to the way I am. They're critical to my health. They have powerful agency in determining almost all of what I do and how I do it and who I am and who I'm not. Now, why tell you that? Well, I wonder if it's very similar for you. That your thoughts and your thinking and your, your neural pathways, the way your brain works, that they're pivotal for you, my friend, whether you know it or not. Now, we've been here in our English service these last three Sundays and number four today, speaking the name of Jesus. I speak Jesus. Who remembers, um, and, and maybe, Nick, don't, don't give them a clue. Don't put the screen up just yet. Who remembers, and someone different to who remembered the other few weeks, I wonder if anyone remembers, um, and the way, just as a clue, the name of Jesus, we've said there's a name of Jesus, there's, there's what his name means, and there's, there's who he is and what he does. And so like the examples we've used, uh, Noah, pastor, um, Mira, teacher. So we've said like that. Who remembers, what is the name of Jesus mean, the meaning of the name? God saves. Thank you, Pastor Sammy, who knows the Bible back to front. And, and you cheated for everyone else, Sammy, didn't you? Like, does it, it means, thanks, Sammy. Um, it means God saves or Yahweh saves. Um, and and what's, what's, who is God? What does God do? What, is, what does Jesus mean in terms of who he is? Emmanuel, which means? God is with us, thanks. So Jesus means God saves, Yahweh saves, God is with us. Um, so, the name of Jesus who saves, who means God is, is with us right now. So we're not interested here, are we? We've said this again and again. We're not interested in cliches, jargon. We're not interested in cool songs or glib phrases that, that don't stack up in the real world. We really, really want to know who Jesus is. And if he's who the Bible 
tells us he is. And if he does what the Bible tells us he does, then, then we want to get on board with it, don't we? And yes, we want to experience it. I mean, I do. You? I just want to speak the name of Jesus. We'll sing in a few minutes. Over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Over every heart and every mind. How does Jesus do that? I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression. I speak Jesus, fear, anxiety, depression in the mind, in the thoughts, in the body. I speak the name of Jesus. You know, Jesus preached the most famous sermon ever preached. It's in Matthew, if you've got your Bible, Matthew chapters 5 and 6 and 7. And it's amazing. And this sermon is, is full, and I mean full, of things are not what they seem. And right through it, it, it runs one of the key themes of Jesus' whole ministry on earth. And you read about it in the four, what we call the Gospels in our Bible. The three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then the fourth Gospel of the Evangelist, John. And the theme is what theologians call reversal. The theme with Jesus is that here are the way things are now. And Jesus will reverse them. Turn them upside down, inside out. If you, if you know that's a theme, now go back and read the four Gospels and see how often that's there. It's, it, it's there on just about every page. So look at this. For Jesus, I speak Jesus in the most famous sermon that was ever preached. Look at it. One day, as the crowds were gathering, Jesus went up the mountainside with his disciples and he sat down to teach them. Normal posture for a teacher in those days, to sit down. Different to now. I stand. In those days, the teacher sits. Crowds, always big and growing crowds following Jesus. They're, they're, they're hanging off every word that he says. They're hoping then, can, can I please, maybe I can be healed of my afflictions, my mental, physical, emotional, relational, financial, spiritual afflictions. And it's a huge crowd. And he teaches. And he makes lots of upside down reversal statements in this most famous sermon that he ever preached. Look at this one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You've probably heard that before. Poor in spirit literally means 
poor in spirit literally means bankrupt. People who, who, yes, they feel lost and insignificant. They feel like they're nothing. But you know what? The poor in spirit feel like they're nothing and feel like they're insignificant. The reason they feel it is because it's true. They are nothing. They are insignificant. They are spiritually needy. They are utterly needy. And they grasp, poor in spirit people, they somehow grasp their spiritual poverty. So Jesus says, if you grasp your spiritual poverty, if you realize that you're nothing without me, that you are utterly lost without me, then you're blessed. You're blessed. Things are not what they seem because if it seems as if you're nothing and you're lost and insignificant and needy, that goes right against the message of our day, doesn't it? Because the message of our day is that you are the most significant person and that you really do matter and that you really are important. Jesus says, well, you're actually, if if you're not, what society says is good, but you're the opposite and you realize you're the opposite, then you're blessed. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The world would say, if you feel like that, you got nothing whatsoever. You're a nobody. Well, the kingdom of heaven is actually yours. That's reversal. So you're spiritually poverty stricken, you're bankrupt. Things are not what they seem because the whole kingdom of heaven will be yours. He makes, that's just one. He makes eight statements right at the start. And no, things are not what they seem. They're the opposite of what you'd expect. They're vastly different to what you would predict. That's what Jesus brings about. Eight statements and then more then. Skip down to verse 11. He says, God blesses you. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Things are not what they seem. Because it seems like if people are mocking you and persecuting you and lying about you and saying all sorts of things about you and you see why, just because you're doing your best to follow Jesus. Well then, yeah, it's sad and it's bad and it's unfair and it's unjust and it's suboptimal, but things are not what they seem because he says, if that happens, be happy and very glad about it. (laughs) What? People are lying about me? People are mocking me? People are glad about it? Be very glad about it. Be very glad. Don't just be glad. Be very glad that people are mocking me and persecuting me and lying about me and saying all sorts of evil things about me. and, And it's only because I'm doing my best to follow Jesus. Be very glad. He says, why? Because a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, you're not the only one. The ancient prophets were persecuted before you too. Things are not what they seem. He then says things like this, don't misunderstand why I've come. It's not what it seems. 
I did not come. You think I did. You think I came to abolish the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets. No, no, I didn't come to abolish them. I came to fulfill them, you guys. This is, this is the Jesus that we're speaking over every heart and over every mind, over your heart and your mind, over fear, over anxiety, over every soul held captive by depression. The name of Jesus that breaks every stronghold because your name, Jesus, is healing and your name is life. We're, we're speaking Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. We're speaking Jesus for my family. I speak Jesus. This is the Jesus. His sermon goes on. He's sitting there. He's talking. The crowd's there. He teaches them about anger and he says things like this, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago. That's the tradition. You've heard it, you know it. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago. And here's what they say in quotation marks, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And you feel good because you haven't murdered anyone (laughs) and you're not planning to anytime soon. You've heard that it was said, but I tell you. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. (laughs) I never murdered anyone. But it was only once or twice I did get angry. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, best translation of that word, you know what it means? Idiot. You idiot! He's answerable to the court. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. He talks about adultery. You've you've also heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And you're like, well, I haven't, I, I'm married. I haven't slept with another woman. Or if you're a married a man, a woman, you, I haven't slept with another man. Like, I, I haven't committed adultery. But I tell you, you see, things are not what they seem. You've heard that it said that. But I tell you, anyone who looks, and he, he refers to men here, he says, looks at a woman lustfully, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Yeah, you've heard it. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you can divorce your wife if you want to, he says. As long as you write her a certificate of divorce. You don't want to be married anymore, just write her a certificate of divorce and, and off you go. But I tell you, no, no. You say, you've heard it was said, you can break your oath if you want to. As long as when you break your oath, you don't swear by heaven or by earth. Oh, well, but, but I tell you, no, 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 no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You've heard. You've heard the tradition. Uh, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Take revenge. And you're fully within your rights to take revenge. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's what you've heard. No, no, no. I tell you, if anyone slaps you on the cheek, turn your face around so they can chap you on the other cheek. And if they want to take your coat from you, give them your shirt too. 
And he says, but I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for the people who are persecuting you. It's pretty different to an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. Things are not what they seem. The book of Proverbs, the King James Version, these words that you might have heard before. We said them earlier. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Earlier in Proverbs, above everything else, guard your heart. Everything you do comes from it. So I speak Jesus. And Jesus said something similar one day talking to the religious leaders he called them you brood of vipers <laughs> how can you speak good when you're evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth also speaks uh, one of my literary literary heroes dr caroline leaf and um, she's written a lot of books. Here's a couple of them. And the, the first one, Switch on Your Brain, is her signature book. And the second one, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, is really an expansion on the first one. It's not different to it. it there's nothing contradictory in it, but it expands the research. Um, Caroline Leaf uh, loves Jesus, and she's a neuroscientist. And she pioneered research um, many years ago on what we call the neuroplasticity of the brain. And she is really big on what she calls, and you can sort of see it on one of the titles there, on what she calls toxic thinking or toxic thoughts. She quotes a whole lot of medical studies um, and, and, and like reputable good studies and her studies that she quotes are mainly from America, which is, she's South African, but that's where she lives and works and practices now. Um, medical studies that show, and, and, and they're all high, but you know, there's one reputable medical study which would attribute 98% of our physical conditions, of our physical illnesses, 98% to our thinking, toxic thoughts. And so you can see, um, you, you can see like, if you Google around for Caroline Leaf and you'll see when she's speaking and there'll be, you know, she'll, she'll say things like, thoughts can cause cancer. 98%, I don't know if it's that high. What I do know is that it's high. We have a, a sin nature and a sin problem. And, and we're used to, we kind of know this, even if today's your first ever day in church, I wouldn't mind betting you've heard something about sin before and we always associate sin with the naughty things that we do. And so we would say here, no one ever had to teach you how to do the wrong thing, did they? Did anyone have to sit you down 
let's, let's find someone who looks really, really innocent. My brother Paul, straight up in front of me here. I wonder if anyone ever had to sit Paul down and say, Paul, as a young fellow, Paul, let's teach you now. We just have to teach you how to tell a lie. All right? Now, what you've got to do is you've got to look really sincere and you have to take what you don't want to tell the people and tell them that instead. He's, and, we, and we school him up and train him. We, we don't have to train people how to do that because we've got a sin nature. And friends, sin, yes, it absolutely is all the naughty things. But it's much more than that. It's much much more than that. Sin is, for instance, the toxic thinking. Sin is not just the toxic thinking, but the events that happened, the trauma, the grief. What, whatever would have contributed, the things that happened to lead to that toxic thinking, that's all sin too. Well, you can be not just the sinner, you can be sinned against, and I guarantee you have been where you become a victim of someone else's sinful act. You see, sin's much bigger than just the naughty things that we do. So then when someone like Caroline Leaf starts talking about the neuroplasticity of the brain, the research now, and you might think, if you haven't heard this before, you might think, oh, Jeff, you're getting, you, you, you're getting a bit, bit way late now. I, I tell you now, I'm confident to tell you, um, no one in the circles would, would even refute this now it, it, it's it's completely accepted within the the medical field and that is that we are capable of people of literally rewiring our brains we have neural pathways we have ways in which our brains think and some of them are good some of them are not good and we are capable we are 100% capable as people of actually I'm, I'm not at all suggesting that it's easy, but we're capable of rewiring that so we can teach ourselves to think other ways. We can replace unhealthy neural pathways with healthy, good ones. And if we're following Jesus, we can, we can replace unhealthy neural pathways with healthy neural pathways that honour Jesus as well. And so this is used, um, Caroline Leaf will talk about it, in acquired brain injuries, in, in stroke victims, even people with diseases like Parkinson's disease, being able to help incredibly in that. So that's, that's the field. Now look at this. If you've got your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This was written in the first century AD, well before Caroline Leaf ever did a research on the neuroplasticity of the brain. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll know what God wants you to do. And you'll know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. And so, as Caroline Leaf would say, science is catching up with the Bible. So as we speak Jesus then, remembering who he is and what he does, Jesus, God saves, God is with us. How does he save us? If it's over every heart and every mind, if it's over fear and anxiety and depression, 
How does he save us? Look at this with me. See if you can grasp this. And if you want to grasp it, the Holy Spirit will help you to do that. He'll help you to do it because it's from his words, not, not from me. Look at this. So now, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. None. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. We could not keep the law. The only way to be saved by the law of Moses would be to keep it perfectly. And none of us are capable of that because we didn't have to get sat down and taught how to tell a lie. It's natural to us. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And he did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So that's what Jesus does to save us. Read further with me. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, the people who do not yet know Jesus, they think about sinful things. Stop there and take what I've said earlier. That doesn't just mean you think, because we, we read that and think, well, that, 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 that thinks about me doing the wrong thing. And we automatically think especially of lust, you know, of lust and of greed and of envy. You know, that, that's what we mean by sin, thinking about sinful things. Well, yeah, but what about what we've just said? That they think about sinful things. They have unhealthy, wrong, destructive neural pathways. They have ways that their brains work and operate and, 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 and they are causing all sorts of physical afflictions in their body. That's why they're so screwed up. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, my friend, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. And so there's this ongoing principle in scripture about you know because you're you're there and and you're sure well you know I, I really do know Jesus I'm sure I do but man I there are times when my mind just takes over and it it doesn't that's not a mind controlled by the Holy Spirit so it's sometimes hard to get our head around it we have this this constant concept in scripture it's all through it of what we call positional and progressive, all right? So I can be positionally saved, for instance. The moment I surrender to Jesus and acknowledge him as my Lord and my Savior, I am positionally saved. That means he's taken me out of the position of condemnation and put me into the position of salvation, so that's those words we just read a few minutes ago. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so I am positionally saved. Work done, completed, nothing more to do. But then I'm progressively 
saved as well. And in that, when we're speaking about my mind, my mind is progressively set free. So that's why God says, same verse, but from a different uh, version of the Bible, modern English version, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So be transformed. Greek word is metamorpho. You know where we go from that, don't you? Metamorphosis. It actually literally means a change of condition. Um, it's used also, Paul uses it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a different part of the Bible, and he says, all of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, look at this, his, metamorph- his metamorpho, same word, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more, you see. So it's progressive, more and more to be like Jesus. So literally, when Romans 12, 2 says, um, be transformed, it literally means, are you hearing this? Allow yourself to be transformed. Let it happen. Let yourself be metamorphosized. Let yourself, literally what that means, is be miraculously changed from one condition to another. And how? It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Greek word, renewing, anachinosis. It literally means a renovation which makes a person different than in the past, to qualitatively renew a person. You can get your head around a renovation, can't you, to actually, to, to change it. Jesus saves, all right, God saves, Jesus saves, Yahweh saves, and he does it, friends, listen to this, he does it by renewing our minds as we allow him to do it. Jesus, God saves, God is with us. This can all sound really good. but it can also sound very theoretical and clinical because you can be left sitting there, as can I, even though I'm the guy telling you, I can be left sitting there as well thinking, yeah, but how? Like I know my my mind needs to be, I I, I know I've got things in there, the ways that my, my mind automatically thinks that it, not only are they sinful, but they're just flat out unhelpful. Like they're bad for me. They're not good for anyone. How do I change that? I've got a couple of little suggestions for you. For Jesus to renew your mind. The first one, and just as we've said in the other weeks, in the last three weeks as well, the first one is to know Jesus. Because Jesus, if, if you do not yet know Jesus yet, I tell you, my friend, he loves you. He, he, he loves you like there would be no one else in the world to love. He absolutely loves you. But his promises for what he does here 
are for his children. He doesn't promise this to someone who's not his child. Sometimes in his goodness he gives it. He doesn't promise it. He promises it to his children. So to renew your mind, the first step is to know Jesus. Just to know Jesus. Now, second one, my suggestion would be you need to daily recognize your situation. Go back and, and listen to the podcast we've had from the last two weeks, especially last week. Go back and recognize to say we're not, we're not wrestling, we're not fighting against, we're not striving in this world and all the things that we think we are. It's not what they seem. We're not fighting with flesh and blood, remember? We're actually fighting against like a, a whole unseen world. So daily recognize your situation and, and you and not just recognize, but identify as well to say it. Jesus, I need you today. I need the life and peace and joy and healing that only you can supply. And then the third one, we just concentrate on this just for a minute before we finish, is to implant the word of God. James 1.21. He says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. And if you look at that in the Passion Translation, it says, so this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word which has been implanted within our nature. Why would we do that? For the word of life has the power to continually deliver us. I'm suggesting to you, my friends, that the number one way to rewire your brain is to rewire it from God's word, to speak the truth of God's word, to replace the lies of the evil one. Okay? So, what I do, um, th this is not... The way that you have to do it, there'll be other people here that have got some, some other great methods. My method's not the only one. Um, but, and most of you probably know me to some degree. If you know me, like, I, I, this, is, this has been a major part of my journey over the last several years. There's a lot of rewiring I've got to do. <laughs> and uh, thank God he's good and we're doing it, but we're, we're a work in progress. So here's what I do. Almost every morning, sometimes I'm a little short of time, so I might not do the full thing, but almost every morning I'll sit down, I've got some daily, what I call, they're, they're, I actually call them fighting words. They're declarations. I got them out of a book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way by Lisa Turkhurst. Um, and what it is, is there's a number of things that I say, and I'll say the thing, I'll show you a couple in a minute, say the thing, and then after that there's a verse of scripture. Um, I've got them, and I've given them to several of you, like I've got them on little little cards and they're laminated there's, there's 12 pages of them like there's a lot you know um, and I never ever set out to memorize them I would just read them off the card but I've done them so many times now for so many years like I've, I've completely memorized them but that's just a byproduct so you listen to some of the things if you're thinking how can I rewire my brain what about some of these as suggestions here's one of the things that I would say to myself every morning I know that what consumes my mind controls my life. And I'm declaring today that I will not be a man controlled by the lies of the enemy or by my own doubts and fears. 
I'm a man who is choosing to listen to God's wisdom and tune his ear to God's word. Where the enemy wants to steal my focus and flood my heart with fear, I am purposefully choosing to tune him out. God's voice, spoken clearly through his word, is the one that I'm listening to today. He will help me make sound judgments. He will give me the ability to speak with wisdom and knowledge. He will guide and direct me in all that I say and do. And then comes Proverbs 5, verses 1 and 2. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. Another one that, that I would say is the enemy would love to distract and derail and destroy me today. But I'm choosing to fix my eyes on the Lord and the path of integrity that he's chosen for me. With the Lord by my side, I'm a man of courage. I'm a man who considers his choices carefully and thinks before he acts. I will not turn aside to the left or the right, blindly following paths that would lead to my destruction. Instead, I'll be a man who stays in step with the Lord, knowing that he will keep my ways steadfast and sure. Proverbs 4, 25 to 27. Proverbs 4, 25 to 27. Let your eyes look directly ahead toward the path of moral courage. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you toward the path of integrity. Consider well and watch carefully the path of your feet and all your ways will be steadfast and sure. Do not turn away to the right nor to the left where evil may lurk. Turn your foot from the path of evil. That's, that's how I'm doing it, friends. It's out loud. It takes time. But I tell you what, it's transformed my life and it's going to keep transforming my life. That's how I'm doing it. So I do want to suggest to you, whatever your actual method is, is to say that you need to know Jesus. Um, you need to daily recognize your situation because you can't really fight a battle that you don't even know you're in. And then the third one is, as we, as we say there, to implant the Word of God in your heart somehow. Get God's Word in there to actually replace the rest. That's how God renews our mind. And he changes us into new people as he does that. Is that good news? Jesus, God saves, God's with us. We're going to sing together. We've got a little while now to do this. If you've been here the last few weeks, you've, you've seen the way that we've, we've, we've seen Jesus work here. If, you, if you're with us for the first time today or you haven't seen this, then... Don't worry, it's nothing scary or nothing that's going to be bad for you. We, we sing, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. As we sing, there are no rules. You can sit down, you can walk around, um, you can kneel, you can move around and talk to other people. We will have and we do have um, our pastors. Um, so there'll be Pastor Adam. And I'll be here, and Pastor Sammy, um, our elders as well. Um, I can see somewhere our elders, our Velma is right in front of me. I know Jenny is here too. I can't. Oh, and Todd, and I, I know Jenny's here. I just, I think she is. Is Jenny here? Maybe not. Oh, she was here earlier. Well, okay. So, Todd and Velma, and our prayer team as well. So that's going to include Ian up there um, there'll be a couple of those guys up the back we'll be down the front we would love to be able to pray with you um, and when we're praying we just want to speak the name of Jesus so you don't have to come forward 
you're welcome to talk to us if you want to, but there's no need for you to tell us what you want prayer for. There's no need for you to tell us your life story. Um, all you have to do like, is if you just want someone to pray for you and speak the name of Jesus, just, just come. And if you want to, you can talk to them. Um, don't feel like you have to. You don't have to participate in that. As I say, you can sit quietly. Um, we'll sing. We'll sing. And after a little while, people will start to leave and I'll, I'll come talk to you again. And we'll reserve this space in here in the auditorium for speaking the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. And I want to encourage you as well because we really value here at Mill Park Baptist Church, we value, we place high value on, on the idea of humility and humility comes out in actually making a response, in making a response. And it's hard sometimes because you think, what are people thinking? Well, thanks be to God. It's good for you to do that. It's good for me to do that. Um, so we urge you, we challenge you, we encourage you, make a response and don't be, don't be shy about doing that. And let's speak the name of Jesus, the beautiful, beautiful name of Jesus. Do that now as we sing.